You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchstick Man Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Michael, Gordy, Full House. Uh, kind of dreary and cloudy here and dark early, and it kind of sums up the Flames lately. Dreary and cloudy and dark. Um, how's everybody doing today? Maddie, how are you? Cold. Cold, yes. Michael, how are you? Also cold. Gordy, say you're somewhere tropical. Just say warm just to break it up. I'm dreary. <laughs> I think that sums up the mood perfectly. Uh, the Flames uh, still no hockey, uh, no hockeying for anybody, actually, until after the 26th. The Flames are supposed to return on the 27th. We'll touch on that in a minute. But, hey, ready, quick, golf clap. No Flames in COVID today. And I think that's partly because there's nobody left to put in COVID. Uh, Dan Vladar yesterday, the latest player for the Flames to enter COVID protocol, which perked Michael's ears up yesterday. Um Wondering if we're going to see Wolf anytime, Dustin Wolf coming up anytime soon because Calgary's going to need a backup goalie if they can play hockey at some point. Um, first off, um, anybody surprised that, like, how have Matthew Kachuk, Michael Stone, and Blake Coleman stayed healthy, Maddie? Do they have no friends on the team? Like, did they not get invited to the team Christmas party or what? Like, what happened there? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Everybody else on that team has it. Except those three guys. Michael, is it just like a matter of time or is Maddie right? Did they just not have any friends on the team? I mean, like the logical approach is maybe they had it, but I want to believe like that. Yeah, they just weren't invited anywhere. They didn't get to come out to dinner. Um, I think I saw a tweet that was something along the lines of like, that's the most like Matthew Kachuk thing ever to be surrounded by COVID for like a week plus and just not get it. Like it's just if, if it's anyone, of course, it's Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, Kachuk couldn't draw COVID, like the one thing he couldn't draw this season, and <laughs> it's COVID. Uh, Gordy, or is this a John Gilly situation? Do they just travel by themselves? Exactly. They might be in uh, their own little bubbles in their own vehicles. Who knows? That's insane. <laughs> it's just crazy for me to think the entire team, the entire coaching staff, support staff, pretty much everybody in the organization but those two. I mean, good for them. We don't want to see anybody, and we probably shouldn't make light of it, but it just seemed like every day it was like, it was like the old Jaws thing, like just when you thought it was safe to go back on the water. It was like just when you thought it was safe to open Flames Twitter. Ah, there's three more people. So um, return to play date, uh, the 27th of December. That's a game against the Edmonton Oilers. Michael, Edmonton's got at least 10 players so far in uh, COVID protocol. Are they really going to return on the 27th or are we looking at least January? Um, I think we'll have to see how these next few days go. I imagine guys will still be getting tested. I know the league kind of did their official shutdown today. And yeah, it, it's hard to believe that, like, especially the Oilers would probably be pissed if, like, they were still missing guys when the Flames came back and they were all ready to go pretty much by the 27th. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see it just a few more days out, maybe even January 1st, to give them a nice, like, round date to start up. Um, I don't know. I hope they come back. I'm still missing hockey, but... It just doesn't seem like from like a fairness thing that they'll probably come back that quickly. Gordy, would it be appropriate if the Flames came back on the 27th, played a decimated Oilers team, and then lost to them in overtime and picked up a loser point? 
Yeah, it seems like the the only games they canceled were due to the border stuff. So kind of a inter Canadian game they might not be so quick to get rid of so quickly. But I mean, this uh, I'm not going to the Olympics is really going to help out with this rescheduling because they have a two week gap they can start to fill in now. Yeah, Maddie. I mean, Flames come potentially the 27th. Um, what's it like in Flyers land? I mean, is this is it ravaging Philadelphia as much as it's done Calgary, or is it kind of a they could be they should be back about that time? Um, it seems like the Flyers have avoided a massive outbreak. I mean, they had their game yesterday postponed because it seems like things were worse for the Capitals. But fingers crossed, like the shutdown happened for an at an okay time for them, but it seems like just across the board, things are not trending in a great way. Does anybody find it weird? Like, I mean, obviously earlier in the season, San Jose and the Islanders and Ottawa were decimated, but it just seems like it really hit the flames more than any other organization. I mean, anybody like, it just seems odd to me that Calgary was the one team that had just about the entire team wiped out. No, or am I, I mean, I kept looking to just check numbers and rosters and I was like, it just seems like it just rolled through the flames at, you know, not no time is good for it, but Michael, is, is it weird that Calgary really was a team that took it the hardest so far? Um, Like, yes and no. It was pretty unexpected at the time, like just to see how quickly it got through everybody. But I think now that we're hearing that it's like, there's been some, cases that it's the new variant that just spreads so easily Mm. and that it it's probably going to end up i would assume being pretty much everybody has it i can't imagine like although it would be the flames luck to have like multiple strains of covid going around at the same time (laughs) like i would assume it's all going to be the new one and i think that's probably like it's probably why we're seeing spikes across the league is that's just so transmissible that they just happen to be the first like case study and what happens when this gets here like we're seeing that in the nfl especially right now where like whole teams are basically being decimated too like it's it, like I said, it's like it's kind of a we're seeing a case study in what's going to happen with this variant. Unfortunately, with like the general population and with sports teams, regardless of league, it looks like it just seems perfect that the Flames would end up being the poster children for like what to do and how to handle, just based on past history with everything. Um, Gordy mentioned it earlier, and we'll start with you, Gordy. The NHL today came out and finally uh, announced the world's worst kept secret that the NHL will not be going to Beijing in 2022 for the Olympics. Um, Personally, on this end, I think it's a smart decision just with what um, China's quarantine rules are, for one, is bananas. And um, I think it just makes sense to keep the NHL players at home and using that break to reschedule all the games that teams have missed during this time frame. Gordy, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, they missed it in 2018 as well. So it's never been a secret that the NHL would always prefer to avoid going to the Olympics at this point in history. So when it kind of came down to there being a legitimately good reason to cancel it, they just kind of waited until it was an appropriate time to declare it and took the opportunity. It's, it's interesting to see how many players are kind of now speaking out against it though, and are disappointed. Like it's a really unfortunate decision, but like you said, it's, it's the smart one. It's the one that arguably had to be made at this point. Yeah, and I mean, they can be disappointed all they want. Maddie, if like, say, I think I brought this up last time when we did this podcast or Michael and I talked about it was just the Flames, for example, Sweden. Say Rasmus Anderson, Elias Lindholm, Jacob Markstrom, and Michael Backlund all make that team. And for some reason, Sweden gets decimated with COVID. They're stuck overseas in China for up to five weeks quarantining, right? 
I mean, the Olympics are all well and good, but also those guys most likely aren't getting paid that whole time they're there. So is it time to just realize, hey, it's okay. Like, suck it up, Buttercup. It's life. Would you rather be healthy, come back and play with the Flames, or do you want to sit in a hotel room for almost two months? Yeah, and I think that's where the the human element really comes in there because – I don't know. I've seen some players sort of bristling, like, well, I would have wanted to go anyway. But, like, what if you do test positive and you're stuck for five weeks and you're away from your family that whole time? Like, mm-hmm. that it, sucks. It, yeah, and also, like, say you come back. I don't know what quarantine rules are everywhere, but if you come back from China and you've quarantined for five weeks, you're still going to have to test here. The NHL may make you quarantine. The country, Canada or the states may make you quarantine. Michael, I, I know some guys are going to miss probably their last shot. Like this may have been Michael Backlund's last chance with Sweden. Um, you know, you could look at a guy like Mark Giordano. Maybe he doesn't ever have an Olympic shot because these guys aren't getting any younger. Same thing with Crosby. Same thing with Ovechkin. Um, but it, was it worth shutting everything down, you think, your opinion? Uh, for like the non-hockey reasons, like, yeah, it just it didn't make sense. It's I think we all kind of hit all the main points already for the last like month, really, about all this. But um, yeah. all I'm saying, like going forward is I would like to see some effort being put into finding like a different way to do an international tournament. Like I know like the world cup, some people didn't like it in 2016. It was kind of like gimmicky with like North America, which people still talk about now. So I still think that was like a fun experiment at the time, but I'd like to see the NHL and maybe the IHF work together and like actually create an international tournament that draws attention because like even the, the yearly world championships, they do them when the NHL guys are still in the playoffs. And then, there's really nothing else to get like a best on best tournament. But like if you look at soccer, there's the World Cup, which is the big thing. And they don't really the Olympics don't get quite the same coverage. Like it's mostly yeah. younger players at the Olympics. So, I mean, there is some options there. But like I think the NHL would have to be a much more like international style tournament if they did a World Cup rather than what they did in 2016. But they need to find something, I'd say, in the next couple of years to make up for not going again. Yeah. And someone brought up the point too on um, 960 today and yesterday they were talking about the world cup is a great tournament but it's so sporadic there is no actual schedule it's not like we do it every two years we do it every four years it's like it's done two years then it's eight years off there's uh maddie uh, would you be on board with something like that if they could set the world cup up where it was every two years or every three years or something like that to give hockey fans something outside of the nhl and the olympics if the nhl doesn't want to go to the olympics definitely and i think it's only fair to the players who you know, are really amped to represent their country. I don't see the drawback to it. Uh, Gordy, um, Olympics versus World Cup uh, representing your country. Um, is the World Cup a step below the Olympics, though? Would players be kind of like, yeah, the World Cup's nice, but I'm not playing in the Olympics for my country, or does it really matter at that point? I think it's like Mike said, it just it'll come down to them having to find a time when they're not conflicting with the NHL when they're assets of nhl clubs who care if they get hurt at those tournaments and and stuff like that and and again like mike said like that world cup like people still talk about that today like it's still the only tournament today we've seen like crosby ovechkin matthews mcdavid all in the same tournament and given that those guys are approaching half a decade in the league now it's kind of unfortunate that that's the only time we've seen that so finding something of any type just to just to get this best on best country versus country um style hockey out there is is a necessity because it really is a shame how 
few NHLers end up going to the World Cup every year for or the World Cup of Hockey every year for obvious reasons. And yeah, like like you said, it's just it's just something we all want to see and getting it done is is a priority. Yeah, and I think I mean ratings boost wise, you know, bonanza wise, if you broke up North America and you gave Canada its own team, if you gave the United States its own team, I mean, who wouldn't be tuning in to watch Crosby and McDavid line up across from Matthews, Gaudreau, Kachuk, you know, like that type of setup, right? I mean, Matty, um, if you break those, if you break that team apart and actually do a proper Team Canada, Team USA, I think it makes that tournament more interesting. Is that, what are your thoughts? I agree. Um, I mean, and if they're invested to kind of getting the format as close to the Olympics to make up for the loss, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that would be the best way to do it too, Michael. Is that something you think? If you could make it almost like the Olympic tournament and keep the countries as they are and invite as many as you can in. I mean, you don't have to invite like some of the outliers, obviously, where the Olympics gets everybody. I mean, like for a standard, like China's not known for its hockey team, right? Um, like you don't need China in the World Cup of Hockey because you'd be doing NHL things, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I was thinking because like, for example, the World Championships every year, like they're a far bigger deal in uh, for European hockey fans than they are for North American fans. And that's just mostly because our playoffs are still going on. But like they do 16 teams every year when they do their big tournament. And of course, there's some teams that kind of get run over, but then you get some nice stories every year. Like I, I would rather them see do like a 12 team pool or like a 14 team pool and invite some yeah. of these other countries. Of course, you'd have to find a time that would work. I think that's the other big challenge with the world cup is that I think at the end of the season, like we see the, uh, the championships, a lot of guys are kind of done at that point. If they're not in the playoffs um, before the season, it might also be hard to convince guys to come right before they get into training camp for a month. Um, yeah. That's why the Olympics does work in a way when they put it in the season so that these guys are already like in shape, they're ready to go. They're playing hockey. They can kind of just move right into it. And I know the NHL doesn't like that, but um it's definitely a good recipe for getting best on best and getting people to go is that your league shutting down, but you're already like in shape and ready to play. So I would like to see them have like a 12 team world cup of hockey, like invite some of these other countries that are kind of on the outside, but I'd rather see that over like a team Europe again. And I think that would be the best way to legitimize the tournament a bit more too. Um, I think the formula is there. I think it's, um, I think they have enough international interest that they could probably be successful whenever they do it, but I think they have to be a bit more, kind of international rule not international rules but like international style with the tournament like i thought it was a bit too nhl last time so mm-hmm. i think it's there if they want to do it for sure now to, to flip back to the the olympic conversation uh you know for years the olympics was no professionals you brought your best you know college players or whatever especially from the states you know we saw what happened with the united states with the you know the miracle on ice team but gordy do you like the idea of kind of maybe the NHL dropping out of the Olympics and amateurs coming back in where it makes it more of a, you know, a tournament of up and comers, or would you rather see the NHL players? Because I know for one, like when basketball is in the Olympics, I could, basketball is might be my least favorite thing on the planet, but watching the United States run roughshod a lot of the time over these tiny countries, isn't it's boring. Like there's nothing there. Like I like the idea of better competition. Do you like the idea of Canada's best younger players, the United States, uh, Russia, you know, that type of thing? Or do you want to see the NHL players there? Well, during my lifetime, it's really only ever been NHL players that have gone. And it's it's always kind of been hard to, until 2018, to fathom kind of like a second team or not the best going. And personally, no, like I, I don't know if I watched a single game in 2018 because I just had no interest in watching 
Cody Golubev like play defense for Canada. Like it was, it was ridiculous. And we all know the team that Russia is still going to be able to send and they're going to walk away from this with another gold. Like it's, you can probably call that now. The only probably benefit for this is I, the Chinese team will now probably be able to perform a little better than they would have against all these NHLers. And I know that growing the sport of hockey in China is a really big opportunity for the NHL and hockey as a whole. So if maybe they have a game or two now where they play some competitive hockey in front of their fans, like that might be really good for this game. Yeah, no, it's a smart way to grow the game. Exactly. Um, Maddie, Michael, you guys have a thought on that or you just go, go pros or go home. I mean, I saw a sort of plan B roster for who the U S could send. And it's a lot of very fun college players so i'm all in on that i'm very excited about it give me an all kid chaos team i kind of like that too a bunch of michigan u lowell harvard providence you know duluth those things that'd be a fun that could be fun to watch michael i like uh, it yeah um pros are pros are uh non-pros definitely prefer pros but like all in on like a plan b if that's the case like maddie said like i like gordy said i just didn't want to watch like a bunch of guys in their 30s that are like AHL, ECHL, European players. Like, if you're not sending pros, send the kids. We want to see some of these guys again, like they do at the Olympics. And if they don't, I'll probably just watch like the women's games again because at least those were like entertaining yeah. in 2018. Yeah, that was a, a much more entertaining uh, brand of hockey to watch, watching the women play as opposed to watching the men. I mean, like I said, nobody wants to watch the Kansas City Mavericks play in the Olympics, <laughs> that type of setup. So, um, all right, Olympic top, we will uh, shut that down, the cap. Um, let's see what else we got. You know, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in the NHL right now, as especially um, what Calgary's decided with fans at the arena and the arena itself, because there's a lot of news on that front. And I think Maddie and I are going to defer a lot to Michael and Gordy on that one uh, when we come back. So we're going to take a quick break on the Tinderbox. And when we come back, we'll discuss those things. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. Mark, Maddie, Michael, Gordy here today. Um, Cap on fans at the arena in Alberta, which means if you're going to see the Oilers, if you're going to see the Flames, or if you're going to Red Deer, to see the world juniors it's 50 percent capacity which means only 9600 fans are going to be allowed in the scotiabank saddle dome also no food or drink at all during games uh michael shaking his head uh have at it michael your thoughts <laughs> i i mean like it makes sense i i'm not shaking my head at like the idea of restrictions it just sucks because like i don't know i just find like when you go to a game like is it like five percent of people there don't have some kind of food or drink during the game like I just feel like it's not, it's kind of going to kill that vibe a little bit of, I don't know, you go to the game, you have a beer, you have a good time, but it's better than not having fans. So I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I agree with the restrictions. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm bummed more than anything that they're back, but I get why. Gordy, your thoughts. Yeah. Having any fans in the building is better than none after watching a year of tarps. So I'm fine with it. I still haven't been to a game since everything reopened, so it doesn't really affect me personally. But from a watching standpoint, yeah, seeing anybody in the crowd react to goals is always a nice time. Yeah, those, it was just weird listening to the the quiet that was the arena when the teams are in there. I mean, it just it just seemed and like the goal horn going on. Ah, it just sounded. It just didn't seem right. Um, Maddie hasn't gotten that far in the states. I don't know if it will, but um. 
your thoughts on what the Flames have decided here with, I mean, obviously money is being lost again with only 50% capacity and, you know, food vending stuff too during a game. A lot of your stuff comes from, you know, beers, popcorn, pizza, and chicken fingers, right? So uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much the same as what the guys have said. Uh, definitely some fans is better than nothing. Um, I watched the Flyers play the Habs last week when they decided a couple hours before the game that absolutely no fans were going to be in the building in Montreal. Um, and they didn't even get a chance to cover up all the seats and it was like dead quiet. They were trying to pipe in some sound, but it was like, it was so jarring and it seemed like the teams really felt that too. So, uh, half capacity will do. You know, the other thing too, um, how do you decide what 9,600 fans get into the game? Because if you've sold 15,000 tickets to that game, is there going to be a lot? Like, And that's that's the one thing that hasn't come out, and that's what actually put the kibosh on my trip to Calgary, which was supposed to happen in two weeks. Is I was looking at it, and I was like, I haven't even bought my tickets yet because I was expecting something like this to happen. But I was like, if I bought tickets now, I, I can't get into the arena. It, the, the trip doesn't make any sense. Michael, how, do you have any idea? What are your thoughts? Are they going to have like a lottery? Like, how does it work? It sounds like it's a first refusal thing for season's ticket holders. At least what it sounds like that's what they've done. Like other Canadian cities have gone 50%. But um, yeah, I don't envy their position. I imagine it's going to be pretty messy. I'm sure there's a lot of people that had these games planned, especially as we get up to like New Year's Eve for the Oilers game. Like those are big nights for Flames yeah. fans here every year. And I imagine they'll again. It'll be like season ticket holders get the first crack at saying yes or no. I don't know exactly what their number is of tickets, but I imagine it'll probably get pretty close to that ninety six hundred mark. So, if you're a single game ticket holder, maybe you'll get. If you're lucky, I would say you get a refund. I imagine you'll just get a voucher for whenever the game gets pushed. So if you'd been coming out, you probably would have been kind of screwed at that point. So. Yeah, it's it's a messy situation, and uh, I just hope we can get fans back. At some point, the Flames have a lot of home games still left this year, too. So I'm hoping at some point we'll see that again. But it's uh, it, it's it's gross right now. Yeah, and, and even that, Gordy, they have to figure out who's getting in from the games that have been canceled already, too. Like the games that have been postponed. So not exactly an enviable situation, no? Yep, no, I don't envy it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, and to pile on the bad news, um, between <laughs> COVID and between 50% capacity and everything else, the Calgary Sports and Entertainment Group pulled out of the arena deal in Calgary yesterday late uh, in the afternoon, citing cost overrides and the city wanting them to put more money in. Um, they came to an agreement. I watched some of the press conference today. I've read some of the stuff again. As you all probably know, I am not from Calgary. Um, so, you know, reading all the stuff and catching up on it, both parties, the city and the entertainment group agreed on a set number of fees that were going to be paid. And then the city came back with an environmental fee, roadway construction, all this type of stuff to be added to it. And the flames just said, well, the sports entertainment group said, no, we're out. We're done. We're pulling the plug. It's not happening. They held a press conference. They to say their side, Calgary's mayors, you know, wanting more money put into this, uh, Michael, uh, this isn't good, right? This is, I mean, the Flames said today that they are committed to playing in the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, which they have to be because it's the arena. There is no other option short of moving, and I don't think the league would let them do that anyway. Uh, Michael, go. Uh, the arena deal. Yeah, I, I'm going to say it's not unexpected with all of the drama it's had over pretty much a decade plus now of 
them negotiating, getting close, things falling through, the big mega project they originally tried to do that was going to be a football stadium and a hockey arena all together. And then they didn't realize like it was right next to the river that just flooded them out like five years before that, which was just not smart. And then it, it just seems like right now, hopefully it's just posturing between the sides, but like it's just been so messy all the way through. And then for these costs to come up, which I think the root of the disagreement is that basically like the road things like roads, which are about 12 million of those costs were supposed to be footed by the city on the original agreement. But then when they amended things in July, it basically said the uh, CSCC is responsible for any overruns. So now they're kind of figuring out like who's who on that point. I think both are trying to say they have cases on why it should be the other one's problem. And I, don't, I think it's just such a messy situation again with, with these two sides that like haven't really negotiated well with each other at all over the last again decade that it's going to be it's going to be something that's not going to be easily resolved but I, I do also think maybe they're trying to delay things but just with like building materials being what they are like the price of steel mm-hmm. still like I think it was 900 bucks a ton last and it's usually like around five and if they're projecting that's going to come back down in a year or two which it might like Maybe they're just pushing things off right now to save money long term. It's hard to say, but it's um, this is what they deserve for kind of screwing around so much in the previous decade when they could have been getting this deal going. That now they've having COVID came and they're all having all these things fall apart. Like it's it's totally on both sides here. Gordy, um, Twitter, you know the ultimate barometer for what people feel and think. Um, a lot of fans who are angry with the organization think that the blames ownership group should pay out of their own pocket for the the arena it's their arena they should have to pay for it even though it does benefit the city of calgary um dude i guess the right way to put it is does this does calgary need the flames more than the flames need calgary is this is this a bad deal for the city to pull out or not to pull up but for the flame to you know for them not come to agreement because the flames are the ones that pulled the plug yeah well i i did end up watching all of that press conference with john bean um, of the flames today and you know from their point of view it really does sound like a lot of the problems that arose this current time now is mostly from the city rather than in previous times where it was a lot of from the flame side not wanting to pay a certain amount but a lot of yeah this environmental thing has caused a problem where apparently um, the city of calgary wanted this new arena to be covered in um, a certain amount of solar panels and they also wanted the building to be net zero by 2035. And all of this kind of stems from the fact that Calgary had a mayoral election this past summer and changed mayors for the first time for the better part of this decade. And it it just feels to me and Mike and to a lot of others that it's perhaps a new mayor working on a tight deadline because I think they said like tomorrow, December 23rd was like one of the final opt-out dates of this deal. So it just feels like maybe a new mayor working on a limited timeline kind of threw a wrench into the spokes that they knew wouldn't be accepted by the Flames. And it's now squashed this deal and kind of absolved them of any um, blame for the, for costs down the road. The actual you know status of this deal, if it's fully dead, is left to be seen because as as the mayor said on twitter last night like it has come down to a very minimal amount of money at the end of the day but this whole deal like mike said it's gone on for the better part of the decade and it's felt like mom and dad are fighting like it's two two sides that really don't like each other but they're trying to come together for the 
the good of the city and the good of the people. But at the end of the day, they really don't like each other and they they're trying to get the most money out of the other. And it's just a very toxic business deal. So it's, it's not surprising it's fallen through, but we'll see how it goes down the road. I wouldn't say it's dead, dead as of now. I mean, Matt, you see, I mean, sometimes in sports cities where this happens, like, I mean, I can, I can attest to like what happens in Boston. Like for years, the talk was like Fenway Park has to go because it's Fenway. Like, if you've ever been to Fenway, Fenway is a dump. Okay. It's just a gross ballpark, but they add on to it. They add on to it because land is too expensive in Boston. You can't, I mean, there was a chance to move the Red Sox toward the seaport, but that's like the most valuable land in the city, which is kind of funny because that's where the mob used to dump bodies, which is the most you know, valuable land in the city. And then you look at the Patriots, the Patriots were going to move to Hartford. Kraft was ready to pack them up and Kraft said, forget it. I'll just buy the stadium. So Kraft owns the stadium. Um, you know, at some point, is it on an ownership group to be like, you know what, this is our arena. Maybe we should front it. I mean, you know, like Philly, the spectrum was there for years, but you know, it's things change, right? Is it, is it, should ownership front more of these costs in the cities? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's easy for us to talk about somebody throwing in there like $300 billion, right? It's no big deal. Yeah. Uh, you guys, yeah. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I, I think it's fair to argue that like the owners should be ponying up a little bit more if they want the new thing so bad. So, um, yeah. I mean, everybody's favorite flame sports writer uses this as a, motivation to scream the flames are moving the flames are leaving um i i don't look at the nhl hasn't moved the coyotes at this point i don't think they're going to move the cow i mean the coyotes couldn't pay their bills like allegedly they forgot to pay them or there was a screw up in something because apparently they didn't hire anybody to run their accounting part of the business but the point is like if the coyotes haven't been moved yet the flames aren't going anywhere it's just a matter of time i mean like uh, could you could you spruce up the saddle dome like fenway could would you put some green paint on it put some seats on the roof like you know can you make it or is it is it time well like yeah i think um they've talked about before that like the saddle dome did need like 50 million dollars of renovations or something to kind of bring it back up to even like a decent code but i think the whole idea was oh we'll just get the new one instead then we don't have to do that so i think now they have to reconsider that which is another messy cost in the negotiations but um yeah i think the big thing too with this whole like uh the changes in the negotiations was that like gory said when the new mayor got in one of the first things she actually did was declare a climate emergency in the city and that leads me to think that maybe these things like the solar panels and the that extra four million dollars was something that like totally caught the team kind of off guard when she got in and it sounds like this um putting in the solar panels and making it net zero was like the minimum that they could do to even like be a somewhat decent building in terms of its like emissions and stuff. So, which kind of makes me disappointed that they didn't originally plan for a building that was going to be somewhat good for those kinds of things. So I don't, it's just another messy thing with, with them that, um, that if they're, they kind of added in these expenses, but like at the same time, like why didn't you kind of think of that in the first place? So I, I just think we need to see some kind of change. Um, I would like to see billionaires pay for their own buildings, but we've seen too much of a precedence, especially in Canada now, of where cities help pay for them, or in like Edmonton's case, pay for a ton of them. So it, it's a nice idea, but I think we're too far into the taxpayers pay for nice things for billionaires world now that it might be too hard to change that. Gordy, is that an argument that the Flames you know, management group could use? Could they be like, well, look what happened right up the road in Edmonton? Yeah, I, I know the Edmonton ownership group is structured quite a bit differently than the Calgary one. Like, like 
um, the one in Calgary own every single team in the city. Like it's not a matter of like, if they move, like it's kind of a cut and dry thing. Like they are deeply entrenched in the city. So they, they don't really have much argument sake, honestly, in terms of moving or threatening the city. I think arguably the flames do need a popular hockey city like Calgary more than Calgary needs a significant franchise like the flames. But yeah, at the end of the day, they're they're not really looking to <laughs> to help each other out in any way. Yeah, basically at the end of the day, what everybody was hoping, or not hoping for, but some of the posts are the Flames are not moving to Houston, and they're not moving to Quebec. They will not become the Quebec City Flames. It's just not going to happen. But um, it's say, that, guys, all right, let's roundtable this real quick. If the Flames say they couldn't agree, and they were like, we're out, we're going to leave, uh, Maddie. Is Gary Bettman in the NHL, are they going to give Canada a team? Are they going to move that? Or are they going to put the Flames in a giant major American city with a big media market? It's just even the thought experiment. It's so hard to even imagine them moving, just like you said, the Coyotes thing. I don't know. Michael, what do you think? I mean, if if they and I don't expect them to move either. I think this we're just playing the what if game. But like, would it be a major American city like a market or would you know, or does Quebec want their own team from scratch? They want expansion money. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, if it's if it ends up being like $10 million holding up all this, I'd hope the NHL just says, screw it, like we'll loan you $10 million for a few years. Like really, that's like nothing compared to the size of the NHL. But yeah, if they move, like I think Houston's an easy candidate, but I think they're kind of either saving that for a big hefty relocation or not relocation expansion fee. And if not, like it would make more sense to move the Coyotes there. Um I don't know. Like they have, if they were going to move, they have the farm team in uh, Kansas city already. Maybe they're just gauging interest there. I don't, it's, I don't want them to move. And I, I don't think I would even cheer for the new team if they moved, especially if they left over something like an arena deal. So I don't know. I don't want to even really go too far into that timeline. Yeah, no, that's fine. Gordy, uh, your thoughts, uh, American city going to get the flames if they move or they're going to keep them in Canada somewhere. I'll go way off the radar and say that they'd they'd go for a second Toronto team. I think that's what they would do. With them. Why is New Toronto York important? In, is Toronto important in Canada hockey? I don't know. I've never heard them talk about Toronto on Canadian radio before. Yeah, the, the city's just just slightly inflated enough to support two two teams at one time, uh, and then at suck. one point. <laughs> And I guess the final the, the, we'll touch on this, like Michael said, he wouldn't root Gordy. If the Flames move to wherever you want, Toronto, or they move to Kansas City, and with the Kansas City Flames or the Toronto Flames, would you root for that inclination of the Flames, or would you find a new hockey team? My fandom has always mostly been geography based, so I, I honestly think I'd be an Oilers fan as well. Like it would just make the most sense. I could finally embrace Connor McDavid for everything he is, but. <laughs> Yeah, I I would not support the team if they left. That, that would be the that would be the breakup, as it were. Maddie, got room on the Flyers bandwagon? <laughs> <laughs> Please, it's it's not any easier, and it, it doesn't hurt any less. But sure, more disappointment. No, yeah. I would just I I would hold out and be sitting on the steps of the state house and in Connecticut, just waiting, being like with my sign that just said, bring back the whalers. I think that's where I would go. I would put all my efforts into getting the whalers back somewhere in the NHL. If with they the went proper- to Hartford, I would, I would cheer for them if they went to Hartford, just like if I could get like a Kachuk whalers jersey and they were actually the Hartford whalers, I might consider it, but anywhere else. Uh, yeah, no, they can, uh, they can do 
I don't I don't even know what the right term to say that's going to let, let us keep this on the uh, air. Ooh, they can you pound know what Sam. I'm saying. They yeah. can pound Sam. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they can pound Sam. Let's go with that. Uh, Gordy, any cool uh, draft stories? Any uh, tour bus stories? Any uh, got a chin strap update? Anything you want to throw in oh. before we wrap up? No, I, I couldn't come up with anything today, <laughs> unfortunately. There's enough there's enough stuff in the previous ones to carry forward. Well well, here's the hoping that the next time we come on here, uh we'll have something positive-ish to talk about. Maybe they'll bring Blasty back. I don't know. With something. <laughs> something because it's uh it's been a rough couple of weeks to be a Flames fan with uh COVID and then you know, capacities at arenas and then the arena being completely, you know, the new arena field being the plug being pulled so yeah well at least we got stuff to talk about right we're not talking about joe exotic and we're not talking about you know killing cats in canada and the toronto police searching for people so gordy we got that going for us um before we wrap up here if you enjoy this podcast you can find us on google podcast spotify or itunes just search up matchsticks and gasoline and you'll find the tinderbox mark and michael's musings and behind enemy lines on there um Make sure you like us and subscribe us and download those podcasts. We appreciate your listener listenership. Um, hey, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, since we probably won't do a podcast before then. I hope you all stay happy and healthy and have a safe and wonderful time with all of your respective families. And thank you all for listening to this podcast as well. And after the holidays, maybe we'll be back out of holiday quarantine as well. And we'll catch you next time on the Tinder Talks.